before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. Welcome to October. We've got football in full swing, the start of basketball and hockey season, and of course, baseball playoffs. Ha <laughs> ha oh, it's wild card weekend. Let's go Padres. Bet Online has you covered for all of the action this October. You can sign up with our promo code believe that's B L E A V and get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. What's going on? What is going on? We're, we're having a good old time over here. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty great. Still still deep into my betting addiction right now, but you know, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I'm having a pretty good couple of weeks. I'm glad to hear that this is your, uh, your new expertise during football season this year is uh, becoming a gambler who just bets unders because betting unders is always good value. Right, right. Yeah, that, that's been my uh, my new spiel now. Is at least once every every uh, time I'm betting every week, at least uh, I try to do an all under bet. <laughs> and you know what? It works. It works sometimes. So like, I really can't complain. Now it doesn't work all the time, but anytime it's over like seventy or sixty five or something like that, yeah, every single time I'm slamming the under. I don't care who it is. Yeah, mostly college football, I'm guessing, because NFL yeah, you don't get to yeah. see very many sixty and seventy no. point over unders. Yeah, I think the highest I've seen in NFL is like 53 or something. Yeah, it's really low. So, but yeah, uh, yeah NFL is a lot different. NFL is a lot harder to bet on, I've learned. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun, though. I, I get really into it. And I always consider myself knowing a lot more about college football than NFL anyway. So, it makes more sense that I always stick to college more or less. And that's where I've been earning most of my money on right now is college football. And it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, the NFL's just been ridiculous this year specifically too. Like it's impossible right. to get games correct in the NFL this year. I'm trying to see what the the highest over under total for the week is. It looks like yeah, 51 is the highest number this week for any yeah. NFL game, which uh looks like that is the uh Raiders and Chiefs game. So they're just betting on Mahomes to score a ton of points. Right. Yeah. So, like, I mean, that, that's that's only the case for like. So, I think last week the Ravens and Bills had one that was like, I want to say maybe fifty three, maybe fifty four, and those are like two of the better offenses in the NFL, right? And both defenses were hurt and depleted. So, I really don't know. I really don't know if it's going to get much higher than that at all at any point this season. So, it's a lot harder to do it on the NFL side of things. And and for college, it makes sense that you know they would have higher over unders because there's a lot of less experience on defense, a lot more explosive offenses. You know, a lot of times teams just score back and forth against each other. There's not many stops and punts, so it does make sense. Um, but at the same time, you know, it, it is really crazy how I think uh, the the entirety of college football works in the case that, like, in reality, it's a lot more exciting because there's a lot more points being put up on the board for every single team, no matter you know how bad or good they are. Like even even in the most even in the worst college games, the over under is going to be set at at least 40, 45 points. In the NFL, if it's two bad offenses, it's being set at like 31, 30, 30 33 or something like that. You know, so it's a lot <laughs> different between the two, uh, and it makes it makes for a lot more excitement. I think in college, whenever you see a lot more points being put on the board. I think we were talking about that with like Patriots and Steelers a couple of weeks ago, which is like the over under was like 38. And I'm like, there's no way I'm betting the over on 38 for Patriots and yeah. Steelers. Like, uh, you, just you terrible really can't. Offenses. 
right, right. You, you can't bet on it because there's, a, there's an entirely a, a, a world where the, the score is 14 to 10 or 14 to 7, you know, like like a really, really low scoring game. But at the same time, you, you're like, man, I feel like any other regular team should be able to hit this with fairly, you know, with ease, you know, like a lot of college teams put up that just by themselves, you know, so it's kind of hilarious. I don't know. It, yeah, I think, I think TCU put up 31 points in like a quarter and a half on Saturday, like college football. That's it happens all the time. Right. Yeah. And yeah, it is really cool. Like I was a lot of uh, Maryland games, for example, always have high over unders because Maryland is a high powered offense with what might be one of the worst defenses in the power five. And it's just kind of funny just to see. I, I think I talked about that this last time, but it's just kind of funny to see how quickly they let someone score. It's almost like they almost want the opponents to score so they can just get the ball back and score again. Right. And their entire goal is just to have the ball last in the game. Um, because that's just how it is for everyone. And uh, SMU is another school like that. I know they played against each other uh, a couple of weeks back and over under was 74 and a half. You know, like it's, it's ridiculous how that works. Uh, and it, it is really funny. But um, yeah, it, it's become a good two of mine, though, because more times than not, like especially in like games that are blowouts, um, they'll have higher over unders. Like, uh, you know, whether it's like Georgia playing somewhere, something like that, they'll have an over under of like 63 or 64. And normally, like, that makes sense to people because they're like, oh, Georgia's going to put up like 50 points. But when you think about it, the other team's probably not going to put up a lot at all. So you might want to actually go with the under because Georgia will realize they have already have a big lead and they'll just run out the clock, you know? So it is kind of cool how you can put strategy into over unders, even in blowout games like that. And I think it's that's been a, a really fun enjoyment. And it, it, I think what it does for me is it makes me have a lot more invested in a live football game you know because like a lot of times like I, i'll watch football games all the time you know like that's not a problem for me but i really don't root for anyone if i see a nice play or something like that i'll be like oh it's really cool you know i get kind of hyped but like i will never actually like invest so much in what's happening in general you know um but when i place bets you know it, it makes me actually cheer for teams you know like i i I start to root on for for one team to beat the other, or I start rooting for the under, or start rooting for the over, and that's that's gotten a, that's given me a lot more enjoyment in watching the sport live in itself, and I think that's been a really really fun part for me, and that's why I think I've been watching so much college football the last couple of weeks is because it's become an addiction now to start betting and just watching these games because it's it's more enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. Blake Jude, Maryland college football expert, is is the way that we're um, the way we're doing that this year. Is the foremost expert on the Maryland Terrapins, who I think are like four and two, but will end up being six and six because that's Maryland right. every single year. J- just beat Michigan State, who's probably not going to make a, a bowl game this year. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's a non-zero chance that's the case. That <laughs> that contract is looking real bad for Mel Tucker. That's well, looking yes, like a real bad mistake for Michigan State. Yeah, like, I think he's three and four to start out his career uh, right now. There or in the last couple of games, start I'm not out the, sure. the first. They're two and the three first, in the first year post two, Kenneth three. Walker. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, okay. Sorry, I, I saw the stats somewhere. I wasn't too sure, but yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I think they play Ohio State this weekend too. So, so they're headed for a careening right. crash course of of three, right. two and four. It would appear. Yeah, well, yeah, they have they Ohio are, State. They, they have Michigan. <laughs> they have at Penn State. They have a lot of tough games coming up. I think at Rutgers aren't that great, but still, I mean. But I mean, Michigan State's. What they not, have been. <laughs> I was gonna say Michigan State. All of a sudden, they're they're battling with Rutgers for fifth place in the big 10 east which is uh, a, a precipitous fall from grace for michigan state right yeah so brutal brutal uh kind of fall apart there and I, I really haven't watched a lot of michigan state games this year so i couldn't really tell you why they're so uh they're so bad but 
I, I haven't really placed a lot of bets because I don't know the team very well. It's all, like I said, it's a new regime, you know, so uh, no Kenneth Walker there anymore. There's no elite run game at this point, and they really haven't had a pass game either. So their offense has been really struggling, uh, and that's been a big problem for them as far as I know. But, yeah, it, it is kind of crazy how that works. I mean, it can't be as bad as Iowa's offense, right? <laughs> but but it's still it's pretty rough uh, as a whole. And, yeah, it's it's been – it's been a fun week, though, a fun week of college football, or a couple, fun couple of weeks, actually, of college football. And um, I really have enjoyed watching a, a bunch of different games this this couple last couple of weeks. The, the quiet part about it for Michigan State is that they've been this for like six or seven years now. It's just last year was a distraction because they finished, what, like third in the Big Ten East. But uh, they, they've been this for pretty much since they made the college football playoff. They, they have been like fourth in the East, fifth in the East, sixth, seventh. Like they, they've yeah. kind of been this for a while. Just last year was a distraction and, and uh, they gave Mel Tucker $95 million for a 10-year extension. Right. Well, I, and I think I think another thing is like, it's just the fact that the, the, the big, the big, I mean, like, that side of the division is so talented. There's so many good teams there. Of course, you have Michigan, you have Ohio State. There's a bunch of different, uh, you know, people in that division that are, are really, really talented and, and Michigan State's at least making bowl games every year, you know, like going seven and five, you know, eight and four, six and six, even at the worst, um, you know, it makes it to where it's like, okay, well, they're not great, but at least they're making bowl games, you know? Well, now, I mean, look at their schedule. I don't know if they're making a bowl game. They have a lot of tough opponents this year. They really have had the easiest schedule kind of already go past them, right? And, and they have a losing record. So, it really is uh, a, a rough outlook for the rest of the season for Michigan State, and it's going to be really, really tough to see uh, if they're going to be able to squeak out enough games to be able to end up making a bowl game. Um, they, they still could. I'm not saying they won't, obviously. I mean, it's, it's possible. Um, and like I said, I'm not too familiar enough with the Michigan State roster to really make a, a, an assumption on whether or not they would. Um, but I, I still think that it's going to be a, a definitely an uphill climb having to play teams like Iowa um, and Ohio State, Michigan, you know, teams like that. It's going to be really, really tough. Yeah, so assuming they lose to this is more Michigan State football than I thought, but assuming they lose to Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State, they would have to win every game against Wisconsin, which is winnable yep. for sure, Indiana, which they'll win that one. Uh, then they have to play, as you said, Rutgers and uh, the four and one first place Brett Bielema's Illinois football team at Illinois. Illinois. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. I, I said Iowa. I meant Illinois. My fault. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. Illinois, who has been rocking. Uh, yeah. For some reason, I don't know why. But yes. Yeah. It's going to be a really, really tough schedule uh, for Michigan State to try to um, try to, to, to get through with that. And I, and I think it's certainly possible, again, like I said, but I mean, Rutgers looks OK, even though they've had a kind of a fall off last couple of weeks, I guess. Illinois has had one of their better teams in the last decade right now, you know, so it's going to be interesting to see if they're going to be able to withstand all these other opponents and, and a lot of them are road games, you know, and that's going to be a, a big key for uh, Mel Tucker to see if he's able to uh, keep up Mel Tucker. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, yeah. On, yeah. It's Mel yeah, Tucker. Tucker. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I, I got blank for a second. Yes. I just see if Mel Tucker can uh, keep his job if he's not able to make a bowl game this year. I don't yeah, know what the and, buyout and is, but it'll be just, tough. Just confirming what I thought. So I, after Michigan State made that sham college, after they were the team that's like the fourth playoff team, I think they got shut out by Alabama in a playoff game. Uh, since then, they've gone three and nine. Then they had a 10 win season, 10 and three. Then they went seven and six, seven and six, 
two and five in the pandemic year, 11 and two, and then they're two and three this year. So that's a sixth place, fourth place, fifth place, seventh place, third place, and a tied for second uh, over the past seven years. This is kind of who Michigan State is at this point, is that uh, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan have all jumped them. And occasionally they play worse than either Indiana or I guess Maryland in this case. I don't know if it's just maybe me thinking of uh, the, the Kenneth Walker years or maybe the year several, several years before that. But I mean, I always kind of remember them being more of a, a, of a high powered uh, football school than what they actually are. You know, I actually listen to me to like this, what, what they placed uh, in, in the big 10 is actually kind of like crazy to me because I always feel like they're always a pretty solid team. Like you, you never go to Michigan state and think like, Oh, this is an easy win, you know? So that is well, that's because right before that stretch, they won the big 10 East four times in six years. I want to say like right. say first place. I'm looking at now first place, first place, fourth place, first place, second place, first place made the college football playoff in a six year stretch. Like they were, they were basically what <laughs> I guess you could say like Clemson, or not Clemson, but Oklahoma was in the Big 12. That's kind of what they were for the first six years when Michigan was terrible. Yeah, wow. That is, uh, yeah, I do remember those years that they were really, really good. I, I remember I remember uh, a lot of those offenses and just being really impressed. And that was before I really watched college football as much as I did. So I wasn't as familiar with the rosters or anything like that. But I do remember them being a really, really good school for a long time. And I, I do remember the, them having a couple of seasons where they struggled, especially the pandemic season was one that really came to mind. But I still think, like, I look back on it and I think, like, wow, uh, it is kind of crazy to see how far Michigan State's fallen off the last couple of years. It's just, it just, it really is crazy to me. And I guess Kenneth Walker was just an exception. <laughs> yeah, it, but it was enough to get Mel Tucker $95 million because Michigan State's one of these schools that could end up in the spin cycle of terrible coaches and then you look up and it's been 15 years and you haven't gotten back to a major bowl game i mean i guess they they played in what like the peach bowl last year or something like that uh but you look up and you're like oh my god we're basically just what (laughs) we're basically what michigan was for what was it like 10 years from brady from lloyd carr to brady hoke to rich rodriguez to the first years of harbaugh you look up and then all of a sudden you're like, ah, we've just cycled through four coaches and it's been 15 years and we're still not good. Yeah, it, it really has been a, uh, I don't know what to, what to call it, like a, uh, I don't know, a, a cycle of just disappointment, right? And I mean, uh, to be fair, a lot, of, a lot of schools have a lot of trouble trying to find consistent head coaches. You know, not many people have the Nick Sabans of the world. But uh, I definitely do think that as a whole, uh, Michigan State has had so much success to be a team that is still, when you when you look 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 back at it in a vacuum, is is still so poor as a franchise. I mean, college football the last couple of years, like it just it is it is crazy to me. I don't know. It, it, I guess just the highs have been very very high to the point where you don't realize how low the lows were. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly right. And Mark D'Antonio's retirement was something that was like, oh, he kind of got pushed out the door, and we just kind of didn't really pay attention to that very much. Um, I do want to talk to you about something that I was excited to talk about last week and we didn't have time to do a podcast, but you were at the Dolphins Bengals game on Thursday. What was everything like going on there with the Tua injury? Oh yeah, it was, it was brutal. I mean that the crowd was, that was the biggest crowd uh, pay stadium. Now it was formerly called Paul Brown stadium has ever had in the history of the stadium. So 
uh, record-breaking crowd, 67,000 people down there. I mean, everyone was screaming. It was loud. It was, I still, my throat still hurts from that game, actually, from yelling so loud. I'm not even joking. It still hurts um, to this day. And I, I have, I, I, we were, everyone was going wild. Tailgates were packed. You could not find a parking spot anywhere. The entire crowd was just, I mean, going nuts, going crazy. And I mean, I remember watching Josh Tupala sack to, uh, and we, you know, everyone's celebrating. It takes, I think, about 10, 15 seconds for the crowd to realize, like, oh my God, two is hurt. And no one really saw the fingers. So I don't think anyone really realized how horrible it was until we saw the stretcher pulled out. And I had never seen a crowd go so silent in my life. I don't know if the silence <laughs> was heard across the TV, but I, I remember from where I was standing, it, it, it almost just felt like, like you could hear a pin drop in the stadium, which was just insane. Like it was, it was a really bizarre experience. Now I've had, I've had this happen again before watching Ryan Shazier get injured. I was at that same game, I'm running out mm-hmm. for football between the Bengals and the Steelers and the exact same thing happened. Um, but at the same time, I think, even even then, I guess maybe because it was a rivalry between the Bengals and Steelers, there was still some chattering, you know. Um, and and this time, I, I think it's just because the the respect I think a lot of Bengals fans have for Tua is you know everyone was quiet and everyone was really worried and concerned about him. And it was it was really really sad to see whenever he was stretchered off the field. We were hoping to see like a thumbs up. We never got it. Uh, I know the entire crowd, including myself and a lot of my friends, all chanted Tua on his way out. Um, we were very thankful to hear that. Uh, um, that he, he was doing better. I know, I know we saw uh, a couple of our friends that went to the University of Cincinnati sent his videos. He was escorted by police and, and an ambulance to the hospital. Uh, people were videoing it and seeing it. Um, it was just, it was crazy. And so very, very thankful he is not severely injured uh, like how Shazier was. That would have been really, really sad to see. But um, at the same time, I mean, without question, one of the scariest moments I've ever seen on a football field. That was, it was brutal because the, the hit itself looked a lot harder uh, in in person, I think, than what it did over TV. Like, I'm not saying it was dirty, but at the same time, it was definitely a hit that, like, kind of felt a little excessive by slinging him down to the ground as hard as he did. Now, watching it back on TV, I kind of realized that, like, he almost had to do that because Tua was kind of escaping. Um, but at the same time, it, it looked really, really rough in person. It looked like he just kind of like body slammed him to the floor. And the way his head hit the ground, it was just – it was really, really scary. And, of course, we already all, – we all knew about his past uh, concussion the week before. It kind of looked like throughout the game that Tua was not the same as what he had been in the past. He was still really, really good. Um, you know, it really solid, I mean. But, you know, he – he had lo- it looked like he was more like last year's Tua than he was, he was this year's Tua. You know, Tua had a really, really good improvement so far this season. And so we can already tell something was a little off. And and honestly, like, I mean, Tua should have gotten rid of that ball in that sack. He held the ball in for way too long. It had to be like 10, 11 seconds holding on the ball. Uh, and that was clearly way too much time. And it seemed like he didn't really know what he was doing uh, with the ball. And then, of course, he gets slung down and... And then that all happens. And so it was, it was, it took a long time for the crowd to get back into the game. I remember the last possession the Dolphins had with Teddy Bridgewater um, a- after he got hurt, completely dead silent. No one was yelling, nothing happened. We really didn't, I really didn't hear a lot from the crowd at all until the next Bengals possession where T. Higgins caught the long touchdown. And that's when I think everyone started getting back into it again. So it was really, really brutal to, to watch, but uh, very thankful that he is doing better. Part of that's also the quarterback with with Tua, I imagine, because he's the person who, 
I mean, part of it is that the people who were there who knew about the concussion last week, it doubles down the fact that it's like, oh, we just watched someone basically get two concussions within five days and he's being stretchered off the field. And anytime there's stretchers on the field and, and, and you know, you I did, I didn't watch the game. So did they bring out the um like the um the thing where they had to like strap him in to the, the stretcher and like lift him up into the ambulance? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. Well, I the ambulance was not. We didn't see the ambulance. Uh, oh, but okay. yes, the, the the stretcher. I mean, it was it was strapped him in. You know, he had a, they had to position his head, I guess, in the way that was was okay for the stretcher. And yeah, he was completely strapped in. And I don't even know. I think his arms were strapped in too because I don't think he could raise his arms, which is what was really scary because we would have thought we would have seen a thumbs up, but we didn't see. We didn't see it in person because where I was sitting, it wasn't very far away. What his fingers were doing that was a crazy part. When I saw it on Twitter. I was like, oh my god. You know, that was crazy. Yeah, we don't know what to do usually in those situations where the um I forgot what the term is for it, but basically where the, the nervous system locks up temporarily and the fingers start doing the the twitching move, which is the thing that like clearly identifies that there's been a head injury there. And uh, yeah, I, I think part of it is is that it's too uh, it's a name that people know. And for the people there who knew like you knew about the concussion situation from the week before doubles down on the you know sucking the air out of the building type of situation right and i think i think overall um you know everyone kind of i think was talking about it before like is two are going to be okay is it like you know is he going to be 100 percent in this game because it was a big storyline kind of going in uh because obviously the dolphins were still playing him despite the really really bad injury that he suffered of course he played the rest of the game against the bills whenever he suffered that injury which is why i think everyone was so shocked and and surprise again that like they were still clearing him. They said he was going to be okay. We were like, he didn't look okay into that Bills game. So are you sure he's still okay? You know, so I think everyone was kind of like aware of the situation. Uh, I don't think a lot of people understood the the absolute uh, extreme, how extreme that was, you know, like, like I don't think anyone realized like how badly he was injured at that time, because I don't think anyone really thought much of it. You know, if he's going back to see the game, it shouldn't be that bad. Um, but I do remember a lot of Dolphins fans that were around that area. I, I am on the away side of the crowd. So even though I have season tickets, I'm sitting next to a lot of Dolphins <laughs> fans. Um, so, but I, I remember sitting there and, and, you know, looking at everyone and, and everyone was just like, you got to fire the medical staff. You know, everyone was so mad that they played in that game. And honestly, like Teddy Bridgewater came in, he, he was not what Tua was. But in that specific game, it wasn't much of a difference. What Tua was doing beforehand compared to what Teddy Bridgewater did whenever he came in, there wasn't a big difference. Teddy Bridgewater got a huge completion that got turned into a touchdown. And at one point, he gave the Dolphins the lead, right? So I definitely think that Teddy Bridgewater wouldn't have been a huge downgrade if he were to have played that whole game. Um, it just kind of felt like the Dolphins were a hot team that wanted to continue to stay hot. So they decided to keep their uh, franchise quarterback in there and it bit him in the butt. And it was really, really sad. Um, I'm a huge Mike McDaniel fan. I, I really do think he's going to be a great coach. He's a great offensive mind. Um, but I was, it was really sad to see uh, how that entire team kind of just fell apart. Uh, you know, after that to injury, I think it, it became a big struggle for their defense to kind of hold on. It kind of just felt like they were deflated at that point. And the Bengals are are in general a good team, and they were able to. And the Bengals were facing a little bit of desperation, and and from what I can tell, that offense just kind of picked up from the fourth quarter onward. With like the game was close, and then the Bengals just kind of put it away because the Bengals were in desperation, and they're still a pretty good team. 
Right. Yeah. No, for sure. I, I definitely think they are a good football team. I think they win that game regardless, right? Because they, they looked a lot better in the second half and their defense has been on lockdown all year this year. So I, I think they still would have won. But at the same time, you know, I, I just hate that, you know, this game is not going to be reminded about how well the Bengals have played. It's going to be reminded about what happened to Tua, you know, and that, that really is a shame. And, and that has to be noted that, you know, what, this game could have been a lot different had Tua played. Maybe, maybe not in this, maybe not a different result, but, a diff- much different game nonetheless. Yeah, because like nationally, it was just another football game. But for Cincinnati, like you said, it was kind of prime time. I know Thursdays are weird prime time, but prime time game sold 67,000 seats. You know, Cincinnati was getting excited about that because the Dolphins were three and oh, like meant something more to Cincinnati than it did probably to people nationally, because nationally it was like, oh, it's another football game. It's a good football game. It's better than like the shitty Colts Broncos that's on this week, but it's just another game that's on TV. Right. Yeah. I mean, no one really, I, I think, understood the, uh, the, uh, I guess it was a really cool storyline, I guess, uh, you know, hearing about like the past college, uh, you know, uh, matchups between Tua and, and Joe Burrow, you know, and I think that just the idea that this is going to be a rematch, I think was really anticipated. Maybe, maybe they try to do storylines for every single game, right? So maybe it's not like that big of a deal, but I think for at least Bengals fans, this was a game that I had to grow on my calendar. I was like, this is going to be one of the best games of the year, you know? And, uh, you know, and it, it was a great game for sure. It was a great game, but um, you know, I didn't find myself talking about the results as much as I was talking about Tua. I said at the start of the year that the Dolphins and Bengals were going to be fighting it out for the seventh wild card spot, and everyone was going to be confused why that was happening. And uh, I mean, it feels like those two teams are even to each other, even though I think both of them are going to be the top two wild card teams. I don't know. The Bengals play the Ravens this week, so maybe the Bengals will overtake the division. But it just both of those teams feel very evenly matched. I mean, with or without Tua, I mean, Tua versus Bridgewater is obviously a difference, but it won't dramatically change the final record for the Miami Dolphins, especially because they got those wins against Baltimore and Buffalo that were, you know, not expected to be won. Right. Yeah, I I definitely get that. I think that, um, yeah, I mean, I, no one really expected the Dolphins to just win those first couple of games. And I, <laughs> I, I still look back and, and I go like, man, the fact that they're still three and one after all of this is still like great. They're in a great position, right? Like they're, like you said, they're, they're still a playoff team uh, even after this. I think even if they don't have Tua for another week or two, they probably still are a playoff team. Um, the wins against Baltimore and Buffalo, those are two of the hardest games they had this year, right? And that's it's really, really good that they were able to win both those. Uh, they have Pittsburgh coming up, so that should be a, a game that they should, uh, you know, possibly win if Pittsburgh can't get their offense together. Um, they have a game. I, I mean, of course, they play the Jets twice this year. They play the Patriots uh, twice this year, and, and both those teams are, are not very stellar. So, I mean, you, you, there's a couple of games this year the Dolphins should definitely still win. Uh, and as long as Tua comes back and is, is still playing like he was before, this is a team that's going to be winning 11 games this year, right? I, I still, I don't, I don't, I never really thought they would ever beat the Bills in the division. So I, I think now that I kind of watched this game unfold and see that Tua is now out, I think it kind of confirms that that's probably not going to happen, right? But I, I definitely agree with you. I think they would not surprise me in the least bit if they're the five seed in the AFC this year. Yeah, the, the the reason that changed for me is in part that they got those two weird wins, but also the Chargers are just a dumpster fire of injuries. And I thought they were going to be the five seed in the AFC and like compete with the Chiefs for the division. They, they're going to miss the playoffs because they just have so many injuries. So like if you just remove that team, 
all of a sudden the AFC opens up so much more. I will also ask who's the team the Dolphins are going to lose to that's going to have everyone like kind of walking back their takes on the Dolphins because my bet is Lions. My bet is they're going to lose to the Lions and everyone's going to just, you know, think that the sky is falling for the Dolphins. But in reality, it's just a market correction. Oh, I could definitely see that. The Lions are going to mess around and and beat a lot of teams this season, surprisingly, and somehow go like 7, 10, or 8, 9. And everyone's going to be like, oh, the Lions are a legit football team because this team is a defense away from being like sneaky good, right? Like their offense is putting up a lot of points. I know they put up over 35 points in three of their four games this year, which is just nuts, right? Like no Mm -hmm. one would really expect the Lions to do that. And they're still one and three, right? Like, like even after that, they are still one and three. Before and I know before the Chiefs Bucks game last week, they had scored twenty five more points than any other team in the sport, and were one and three. And if you go to NFC tiebreakers, we're dead last in the entire conference. Say that again. I'm sorry. As, as so the before. Kansas City played Tampa on Sunday because Kansas City passed them in points. Detroit scored 25 more points than any other team in the league. And if you go to tiebreakers, they were dead last in the sport. (laughs) They're dead last in the NFC at one and three. That's crazy. Yeah, that is hilarious. I mean, their defense has to be really, really bad for that to happen. And honestly, like, the defense has talent. Like, um, I know Jeff Okuda is a very, very solid cornerback. I love Amani Orarie. Uh, I don't know if he's healthy, but I, I think he is. I, I like him a lot. You know, they have Aiden Hutchinson, who looks like a very promising edge rusher. They have good players. It's just, it just seems like they're, you know, it, whenever they're not getting, you know, turnovers, they're they're allowing a lot of points. And that's that's been the main problem for them so far this season. Would it be too freaky to say the Dolphins are going to lose to the Bears? Would that be, would that be a little too far? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Justin Fields is not going to be able to win football games throwing 90 yards a game. But football does happen sometimes. Sometimes football happens. It's going to happen to the Dolphins would, at some point. It would have to be like a three or four turnover game, I think. <laughs> I mean, it's certainly possible. If they, if they have a really, really good running game that, that week and the Dolphins can't stop anything, then then maybe. Um, but I don't know. It, it's just tough. I, I just can't imagine. It, the Dolphins are going to be a team that's going to consistently put up multiple touchdowns every week. And I just don't know if the Bears can do the same. The Bears cannot. I, I feel very confident in saying the Bears cannot. And uh, they're going to be one of those teams with a top draft pick this year. But they're going to they're going to be looking at uh, either an offensive lineman or Will Anderson. Pretty much they're they're going to be one of those top teams in the draft. That's not going to draft a quarterback. They're going to mess it up no matter what, but they're just not going to draft a quarterback this year. Yeah, no, they, they, they won't. And, you know, I still think Fields is going to be good. I think if anything. Or, or well, I should I should I should clarify. I, I was a lot higher on fields than why I think he's going to end up being in the NFL. But I still think to a certain extent the Bears are failing fields, and they could definitely put a better roster around him. Um, you know, they're, they're, he's not getting protected very well. Their best receiver is Darnell Mooney, who is solid. But after that, they had, really have no one that's starter worthy at all. Cole Komet, everyone thought was going to be a much improved this season. He's been an absolute bust. He's been horrible. Um, you know, their entire offense is just falling apart. And David Montgomery's been hurt, of course. We've now seen a lot of Khalil Herbert, who's looked pretty solid. But at the same time, you know, that's the run game. And that's really the only thing to be able to rely on is the run game. So it's just a shame to see, um, you know, the Bears continue to fall apart even more. And it might get to the point where we are looking at maybe another coaching change and maybe even a, a brand new regime yet again 
uh, where maybe they do part from fields and look towards a new quarterback. It's certainly possible. I, I said, that's probably next year, like you kind of mentioned, but uh, maybe in a couple of years, if it doesn't work out, you know, I don't see them getting fields a fifth year option. All right. I have a game that we're going to play today. So I want to like rapid fire or sort of rapid fire, but I want to ask you like seven or eight other things that have happened in the last two weeks also. So first off, we all just refused to believe that the Patriots and Steelers were bad at the start of the year, right? Like when we were saying there were 11, 12 really good teams in the AFC, I think we all just refused to believe that the Patriots and Steelers could possibly be bad. Yeah, uh, I mean, the Steelers are a team that has, I mean, they are, again, kind of with injuries right now. No TJ Watts, obviously a big loss for them. And that's going to change, I think, once he comes back eventually. Um, but I do think that in looking at the total uh, entire aspect of the NFL right now, like are the Steelers a top 16 team in football? No, they might be 20. But I think that pretty well classifies as a below average football team. The Patriots, I, I do think are a bad football team. I think they are a bad football team. Now, Bill Belichick is a great coach, and he's going to win them a couple of games. But top to bottom, you look at their roster, you look what they're capable of, you look at the games they played, they are a bad football team. That, that Steelers-Patriots game was just ugly. That was an ugly football game that I did not enjoy watching at all. <laughs> <laughs> the, I, the the um Patriots and Packers were the CBS game of the week last week and I think it's the first time ever that I've seen them when they're doing like the the like commercials to set up the game it's the first time I've ever seen Aaron Rodgers versus Bill Belichick and I was like I've never seen a coach be on that list before I've never seen them highlight this coach is the reason you should watch this football game <laughs> There's not one star player on that team. There are good players. You know, like uh, we just saw Jack Jones have a really good breakout game, the, the rookie uh, cornerback who I think is going to be pretty promising. But aside from that, who's the best player on the Patriots? It's... Might be Matthew Judon. Yeah, probably. And he's not as good this year as he was last year, which is going to happen with a lot of big money free agents. Right. Yeah. So, it you know, it's a it's a really rough <laughs> – roster top to bottom like they are a bad football team now like i said bill Belichick's gonna mess around and find a way to win seven games eight games you know this year and he's gonna be able to have a 12 maybe the 11th or 12th pick instead of a top 10 pick but by all accounts if bill belichick was not the head coach of this football team they would be one of the worst five teams in football without question steelers might be even worse i think because the steelers are probably going to come out of this two and six because i think they play like buffalo tampa miami and I forgot who the last team they play is, but they, they, they're going to come out like two and six after eight weeks. And uh, there's going to be no recovering from that one. But I will say, if you're going to suck, at least suck with the first round rookie quarterback instead of sucking with Mitchell Trubisky. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's exactly what I was thinking. And honestly, I mean, Pickett came in and looked better despite the three picks, right? Like he looks like a better quarterback. Um, I mean, at least now you're giving that team hope, right? That, that team has hope that they can improve. We just saw George Pickens have a big game. We're seeing a lot of promise from these younger players right now. Jalen Warren looks like a legitimate good running back. He's going to be that backup to Najee Harris, I think, for a long time. Um, of course, you know, we we're seeing a lot more of Pat Fryermuth, has, who has really been the workhorse receiver of that offense as a whole now. 
um, we're seeing a lot of work from this younger, the, these younger kind of groups of players. Uh, and, and I think for the Steelers, at least, this is a great developmental year, right? Because you, you put together a couple of free agents, a couple of players. They are not very far away from being a good football team if P- Kenny Pickett does work out. So I do think, though, I would say and agree with you that they are not a good football team this year. They are certainly below average or even bad. Uh, I would definitely say that there is a lot more optimism for Steelers fans right now than there is Patriots fans who have little to nothing to grasp onto. Next thing I want to talk about, since we traded Derrick Henry, the Titans are 2-0. and I still am holding firm on they should trade Derrick Henry and, and do the Eagles-style rebuild. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not wavering either. Uh, hasn't aged too well, but I, I'm. I'm not gonna waver too much because the Colts also look really, really bad. <laughs> so you know, maybe that's just the NFC South being the NFC South. Um, but you know, at the same time, I got to get credit where credit's due. The Titans have certainly looked a lot better these last couple of weeks, and now they do seem to be the maybe the favor again to win the South. Um, but at the same time, I mean. You know, barely squeaked out Orlando against the 0-1-4 Raiders, who look really bad. And then, of course, the Colts, who, um, you know, didn't look too great either this week. Um, I, I think that – oh, sorry, excuse me. Raiders are 1-3. and three. They, they beat the Broncos last week. But regardless, I think, you know, both those teams have been disappointing to their standards, I think, in, entering this season. So it might just be the case of are the Raiders and Colts just bad football teams or are the Titans actually good? And I, I still don't think that's been solved yet. I, I am very interested to see this upcoming week in, in football because I think we're going to learn a lot about all these football teams. Um, you know, we, we do get to see the Raiders, I think, play the the uh, the Chiefs, I want to say. That's something that I'm going to be very interested in watching because I, I do want to see how Derek Carr can perform against Patrick Mahomes. Uh, and, you know, in Kansas City, I definitely don't expect them to win the football game, but can they keep it at least a little close? That's going to be a big key to me. Um, and the Colts, play at Denver, right? So another two football teams that are really haven't proved a lot yet. They neither look very, very good. Um, I think it's another big game that I want to watch and see because those two teams are teams that we, I think both of them is kind of expected to be in playoff contention this year. Uh, and whoever loses that game might have to have a big uphill climb, right? So it's going to be interesting to see. Um, Denver definitely needs this football game because they have a really tough division with how well the Chiefs are playing and if the Chargers can get healthy again. So you're really banking on a win there for Denver. But if Indianapolis starts out the season 1-3-1, and one, they're in big trouble as well. So either way, it's going to be a big big game for either of those two teams. And that, those are a couple of really big games that I'm kind of like really looking forward to right now because if, if they don't win, they're in trouble. The Colts also don't have uh, Shaq Leonard or Jonathan Taylor. So double down on the, yeah. the issue there. And uh, they they went all in on the running game because they, they're spending $30 million on Matt Ryan, the rotting corpse of Matt Ryan that has uh, provided them basically the equivalent of what Phillip Rivers was a couple of years ago for the Colts. But that Colts team was better than this Colts team. And uh, yeah, Indy, I can't believe you're going to mess this one up again. That one's just rough there the whole afc west is in a state of like oh yeah you guys kind of didn't actually live up to the expectations and we kind of we kind of over predicted what they were going to be for different reasons for each team each team has different reasons for not being as good as they are but all the chargers raiders and broncos did chargers raiders and broncos things right <laughs> yeah very very true i, I think that i don't know it's just it, it, it's it's the afc it's just such a a hectic conference this year. I think, you know, the Dolphins have really exceeded expectations. The Jaguars have exceeded expectations. We're seeing a lot of these other teams perform really, really well. And it has to cost at the expense of some football team, right? The entire AFC North is at least, it's just 500, right? The AFC West 
aside from the Chiefs, really don't look that good. You know, it, it just kind of is crazy because we all thought there would be some powerful uh, divisions here in the AFC, and it ends up being pretty bad all around. You know, like the NFCs looked, uh, you know, not much better at the same time, but there's a lot more parity, I think, in the NFL this year. This, this seems like a wide-open year for everyone. I still think the Bills are the best team in football. I still think they'd be the favorite in the Super Bowl if when when going in, but I, I think we have now seen like we're going to get another cycle of of wins and losses in the NFL, like how we had last year with all, all thirty two teams having beat each other in some way. We're going to get another one of those very very soon with how everything's looked so far. Yeah the the thing that I think is good about this is that there is parity in the middle and it's making for all these chaotic games. Everyone's the same except for the five we know are really good and the five we know are really bad. And everyone else is kind of in the middle. Like we know Buffalo's great. We know Kansas City's great. We know uh, the Baltimore Ravens are great, even though their record says two and two. And then it's kind of like, okay, everyone else could beat each other on any given week and injuries will change the math and all that stuff. And uh, that that one's been interesting to watch because on the flip side in the NFC, I, I feel like there's very good teams and there are no great teams in the NFC. Like I have no idea who the best team in the NFC is because there's five good ones and they all feel like they're basically the same. They do different things, but they all feel like they're basically either one could beat either one any day. Yeah, no, yeah, without question. I mean, we, we just kind of saw it, right? Like the Dolphins just beat Baltimore and, and Buffalo and then turn around and the Bengals just straight up beat them. And the Bengals lost to Cooper Rush and and Mitchell Trubisky, you know? And so, like, it's just, it, you know, you see this all the time. It's just, it, it's every single game is different, right? And you never know how the results are going to end up being. And, and that's, a, that's the fun part about the NFL. And that's why I hate betting in the NFL because it's always so random. Yeah, it's totally random. The other thing I had NFL related, 49ers are actually really good. And I find it weird that they're really good because I was all in on the Trey Lance. Like, you should see what you have because he gave up three first round picks. But 49ers just keep I forgot the name of the safety for the 49ers. They just keep finding pro bowlers out of nowhere. And because of that, they're always going to be good no matter how strange their offenses run or how many injuries they suffer. They just keep finding pro bowlers out of nowhere. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I don't understand this. Jimmy Garoppolo is not a good quarterback. He is not a good quarterback. Why are they winning football games? <laughs> like what is happening here that is causing them to win? Jay Wilson looks great. It's, it's continued to be the fact that they have a hundred yard rushing running back every single week, no matter how, who they are. It's just, it's always going to happen. Right. Fred Warner is uh, Nick Boza might be the favorite right now for defensive player of the year. You know, he's been really, really good. Um, this team just finds way to win, find find ways to win football games. Uh, Brandon Ayuk has looked really, really good so far. George Kittle has not had a good season at all, right? And they're still winning these football games. So imagine if George Kittle starts to go off. All of a sudden, they are a powerhouse. Debo Samuel is still Debo Samuel. He is still really, really good. He went out last week and balled out. I still think the, the 49ers are another really, really good football team. And I think it's kind of surprising uh, maybe to all of us because, um, you know, I, I mean, like you said, I, I was a big fan of Lance. You're a big fan of Lance. We kind of agreed that if they were wanting to have a chance of, I think, having the highest ceiling possible, they would go with Lance. Well, this team looks better with Jimmy Garoppolo. And that's weird, but I'm going to let it see how it rides out this season because if they end up going pretty far, that creates a big question mark at quarterback right now, you know, because are we going to see a first round pick get benched after only playing six games or not even that four games this season? Like that's that's crazy. Three games. No, that that trade is already going to go down as an awful trade because 
the the analogy I made is it's basically like they converted all their first round picks into crypto. And then it's basically like this thing only has value because people agree Trey Lance has value, but no one's watched him play football in what will be four years by the time he comes back. So just because everyone says he has value, he apparently has value. But all three of those first round picks they traded for him will have been spent by the time Trey Lance plays another football game. And it's already a terrible trade. But the 49ers are still really good, even though the process was stupid. They're still really good because uh, I I forgot his name, but I just looked it up right now. Uh, Hufanga at safety has like three interceptions and is going to be a pro bowler. And that makes like 10 pro bowlers on the 49ers in the last three seasons. And they just gave away DeForest Buckner because the 49ers just keep bringing just pro bowlers out of nowhere and they just turn into studs. And because of that, they make the playoffs every year because they're basically the Legion of Boom Seahawks. Yeah. I mean, it definitely helps when you have Kyle Shanahan on, on the offensive side of the ball, who no matter what he has on offense, is still going to find ways to put up points. And then you turn around and your defense has one of the most star studded lineups, like every week, like with Fred Warner, Nick Boza, um, you know, even, you know, even guys like Hufanga who haven't really been expected, like they, they're balling, he's balling out. Javon Kinlaw has been pretty solid. So like you have guys all around who have just been good and, and they're finding ways to win football games. Like Nick Boza is such a big key piece to the offense, a defense, excuse me. I, I really don't think how, I don't really think how people, I don't know. I don't know if people realize how important Boza is to that football football team like he has six sacks so far which is leading the league right now like I said he's probably the favorite to win defensive player of the year he is having a TJ Watt type impact on that defense right now being a complete terror for any quarterback forcing him to get rid of the ball early which has created some turnover opportunities for the 49ers he's had a lot of pressures he's had a lot of like I said sacks he's 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 ruined a lot of drives just by himself Uh, and that's been a huge key piece to this 49ers uh, you know defense because you know being able to get the ball back uh, you know, with the lead maybe in your hands, all of a sudden you get to rely on your your offensive line and Trent Williams, who is the best offensive tackle I've ever seen play football. Uh, and then, you know, the fact that you're always somehow able to have a 100-yard rusher uh, every single game, it's perfect. You get to run out clock, you get to score more points, and all of a sudden you have a very comfortable lead and you're looking really, really good. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, I've said this always. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo is another one of those guys, kind of like Tyrod Taylor, who is not going to enhance your football team in any way, but he's definitely going to, you know, how talented your football team is, he's going to make sure it at least stays that because he's not going to make a lot of mistakes. Um, he's going to, if he plays with a lead, he's a good, he's a very solid quarterback. He, he makes smart decisions. He makes smart reads. Uh, he knows how to play the fo- football, uh, the game of football really, really well, obviously. He's well experienced. So, I mean, if, if you have Jimmy Garoppolo with a lead, you're in good shape, you know, because he's not going to, he's not going to mess around and, and get a three and out or, and he's not going to throw an interception or a pick six. He's, he's going to be able to keep that league for a while. And with the defense they have, it's just a really, really good combination. It's really allowed them to be successful. It's the classic case of if he's making $30 million, he's a bum. But if he's making $10 million, he's amazing value. It's that weird purgatory that quarterback is a tier that I call quarterback purgatory, like with Teddy Bridgewater, with Trubisky, with Tannehill, with uh, I guess you could say Tyrod Taylor still. As long as they're making dirt cheap money or high end backup quarterback money, they're worth it to have on the team. But if they're making a lot of money, you'd be more wise to put your money elsewhere. Right. Yeah, that's very, very true. Um, yeah, I, I think that uh, 
it really is just the fact that it is like we've seen so many of these quarterbacks get overpaid, like Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan. We get kind of soiled on how they play. But when you, you look back and you, and you assume as them being on a five-year, you know, or $5 million a year contract or $10 million a year contract, they're a good quarterback, you know. It's just the fact that they have such high expectations sometimes. They, you know, underplay their value. Okay, I've got a few more things we can tack on here before we move along. Uh, first of all, 5-0 and Kansas. Yeah, uh, what the heck? Are they ranked now? I think they're ranked, aren't they? They're 24? ranked for the for the first time since 2007. Kansas football is ranked. <laughs> Straight up, be a good football team. Like they beat Iowa State pretty clean, 14 to 11. Their defense looked great that week, by the way. I was really, really impressed all around. Kansas looks like a legitimate football team, and that is that is hilarious. Like they're doing what Kentucky did a couple of years back right and i'm very very happy for them because i had a lot of happiness whenever it was happening and now they get to have happiness they're gonna they're gonna be eight and four this year which is insane we joked about that many many years ago we went through they they finished 10th place or back back with before big 12 expansion they finished sixth in their division because the big 12 used to have divisions every year for 13 years and then just out of nowhere, they beat Texas, and all of a sudden they're all, all of a sudden a bowl team. And Lance Leopold's going to get a shit ton of money to go coach Wisconsin. And it's just it's so cool to see that happen for Kansas because again, they last season this was last season they stormed the field after not covering the spread against a six and six South Dakota team, and they, they all of a sudden now they just have gone Houston Duke. West Virginia, Iowa State, back-to-back weeks. If they beat TCU with College Game Day at Kansas, because College Game Day is going to Kansas next week, yeah, they're going to be bowl eligible, six and zero, and storm the field. And uh, I wanted to shout out. I think it's um, I think I, I think it was like uh, football. I can't remember the website. I should look it up. But basically, they projected Kansas to make the Sugar Bowl, and I saw that, and I was like, ah, oh, just perfect because it's not going to last but damn if it isn't an awesome story of losers finally getting to win for the first time in 14 years yeah it's going to be really tough right you play i think four ranked teams coming up oh they're ranked 19 now wow i didn't even realize that you know you play tcu you have at oklahoma at baylor at home against oklahoma state at texas tech at home against texas and then at kansas state who are all teams that are at least 500 or at least above 500 right like Texas and Oklahoma and Texas Tech and Baylor are all unranked, but at one point they were all ranked, right? So, like at the same so time, crazy. these are all teams who are very, very capable of, of winning. It would be how how big of a tragedy would it be if Kansas just lost all these seven games, between five and seven? It, it would. We, we would have memories. We would have memories to live by. It's already. It's already delivered. Like, yeah, West Virginia is the worst team in the Big Twelve, but then they beat Duke, who was undefeated at the time. Then they beat Houston, who's about to be a Big 12 team. And then they beat Iowa State, who, you know, has been pretty good the last few years or so. And now they get another undefeated team and they're underdogs again. And it would just be so cool if they if they could just win this one, be six and oh, and then we're good. Just you can do whatever else the rest of the season. You're going to lose to Oklahoma State. You're probably going to lose to Baylor. 
uh, probably going to lose to Oklahoma. I mean, Oklahoma, I don't know what to do with them, but probably going to lose to Oklahoma. But whatever, you're 6-0. and It's a cool story. And uh, we, we've been joking about them for years, and all of a sudden they're 5-0. and It really is impressive because top to bottom, the Big 12 is good. They are very, very solid. Like, I mean, Oklahoma is the 11th ranked team in the Big 12 right now. Like, excuse me, 10th or 9th ranked team. 9th ranked team. Not, not, there's not 12 teams, just 10 teams. They're the 9th ranked team in the Big 12 right now. That is crazy. To see Oklahoma is that, like, is that, that low? You know, whenever they, they went out and they destroyed Nebraska, right? Like, they, they looked really good. I mean, they got, they lost to Kansas State pretty fair and square and then got hammered by TCU. I mean, this is a team that is still really, really good and is going to still make and somehow win eight or nine games this season somehow, you know. So they'll be ranked eventually again, I still think. Um, so the fact that they are that low already is is really crazy. And Kansas is right at the top. You know, they're above uh, Kansas State right now. Oklahoma State's number seven in the nation. Um, they're undefeated. Kansas is still ahead of them. I mean, it really is impressive to see how well they have managed to uh, have so much success lately. All right, I got a couple more college football questions. One, Texas A&M plays Bama this week. Can they cover a 24-point spread? They could. They definitely could. Will they? Yes, I'll say they will. Oh, okay. I mean, last year they were 21-point underdogs and one, so I I shouldn't like trash Texas A&M like that, but I just thought it was going to be different because we talked about top recruiting classes and all that stuff for A&M, and then they're basically the same team. Texas A&M finds a way, like after they lose a football game, they always find a way to come back and look really good, right? Like they, after they lost to App State, they beat number 13 Miami and then beat, uh, you know, Arkansas, who was top like 15 in the country as well at the time. Like they were legitimately like looking really good. And then they got destroyed by Mississippi State, obviously. For I don't the think second they win the year in a game. row, the second year in a row, they got absolutely dismantled by Mississippi State, who might not make a bowl game this year. Right. Yeah. I mean, Oh, I think Mississippi State will make a bowl game. They're four and one. They look really solid. I think they're ranked this year uh, oh, right now. Well, but whoops, I thought they I thought they lost one of those games. So Mississippi State's actually better than I thought. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, still, I I, I still I would agree. Like you know, this that's a game that Texas A&M should certainly have at least played closer in. Um, but I definitely do expect them to look a little bit better in this game against Alabama. I mean, Alabama's played a couple of really close games so far, or really just one close game, I should say, against uh, in the Texas, and where they looked absolutely beatable. Uh, and of course, it's at Alabama, so it's going to be tougher. But at the same time, I mean, Arkansas just went in and lost, I think, by what was it? I think it was like 26, yeah. 23 points. Yeah. So, I mean, it, Texas A&M, I think, is right there as well. They can easily lose by like 21, and, and I, could, I wouldn't be very shocked. Speaking of top teams that almost fell apart, Georgia almost lost to Missouri. <laughs> that was funny. Yeah, right. I mean, Missouri looked legitimately good. And there was, there was a time there where I was like, oh, my God, Missouri's going to win this. <laughs> like, this is going to happen. And then, of course, they didn't. But, you know, like, I mean, at the same time, I was still, like, really, really shocked that Missouri even came that close. That was really, really impressive. And up until that, you know, the last drive where uh, they kind of just ended up just absolutely shredding through uh, Missouri's defense the last, like, what was it? The last like quarter, really, I think is what it was. Like that was really, really impressive. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, you know, what was it? 16 to six at halftime? Like they, Missouri looked legit. 
and I think it was like 16 to three at one point in that game. Like it, it was kind of weird to watch. I mean, I kind of caught it at the end, but it was just kind of weird how that one all played out. Uh, other college football, obviously Kentucky lost to Ole Miss, which was a weird, dumb game that they probably should have won. Um, but now Tennessee right. might lose this week because they have LSU. Right. And they have Alabama next week. So, uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, unfortunate for Kentucky, I think this kind of ruins their chances of winning the East. But, uh, you know, at the same time, I mean, they, they really had a good chance of winning that football game. Not only was it just the fact that they, you know, really should have had a touchdown had Will Levis waited at least like two more seconds for his receiver to get set. They also missed a field goal, missed an extra point ain't allowed a safety in this football game so many mental mistakes that just couldn't have been afforded and and all around aside from that they looked they looked really solid um so it really was a shame that that did happen but at the same time i, I still think this is a team that will will still find a way to win eight or nine games this year and probably make another citrus bowl for the 18th straight time <laughs> <laughs> but when you say win the east did that mean like by winning the east you mean finishing second to georgia and that's what winning the east means like i i meant win the east as in like somehow find a fluke way for georgia to lose a football game and okay. be tied <laughs> uh you know or or maybe two football games like i mean kentucky plays georgia at home and and honestly like this was going on you know georgia played i think missouri right near the same time kentucky was playing old miss so i was looking back and forth and I'm like, wow, if Georgia loses this football game, like if Kentucky wins, we're winning the East right now. Like, you know, like that was like, really crazy. Um, but I, or at least I, maybe it was maybe the Georgia game was a little bit after, I think. But at the same time, I mean, after watching that, Georgia, this, Georgia's definitely the best team in the East pretty, by, you know, easily by far. But, but I mean, if they play like they did against Missouri, a team like Kentucky or Tennessee would have beaten them, right? I mean, that's just how it, it was. Um, so, I mean, you know, it, I think it just sucks because I do feel like, unlike last year, there's at least a slim chance of someone making an upset against Georgia. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I, was I expecting it? No, it's a long shot. It just it hurts that it was kind of like finally officially like thrown out the window now. <laughs> yeah, but you just need someone to beat Tennessee, and then you guys beat Tennessee, and then you finish with 10 wins, and maybe you could go to the Beach Bowl or the Cotton Bowl or whatever one's not in the rotation this year. Could, uh, you know, Kentucky's Sugar Bowl dreams might still be alive somewhere deep in the ethos because it feels like all the SEC teams are just beating up on each other right now. I saw LSU is like four and one. I was like, how did that happen? Because they yeah, like they almost lost, lost to Florida to... State. Yeah. And even still, they almost lost to Auburn, who was trying to fire their coach, but they played too well against LSU. And then they they beat Mississippi State, who just beat Texas A&M. So in a weird like cycle now, Texas A&M will beat LSU and all the teams will beat up on each other like it's the ACC Coastal. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's just it really is just the fact that there's so many teams on the same level in the SEC this year, like Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Kentucky, Tennessee. I would even say Florida's grouped in that position right now, Arkansas. They're all in that exact same area where nine and three and eight and four all kind of feel like the possibility for them, you know. So I think it really just is the fact that like everyone's so so okay, but not great that you know we're seeing a lot of we're seeing a lot of them beat up on each other, like you said. We're going to see a couple of teams that we would have not have thought had 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 a better season this year end up going like seven and five or six and six because of a really tough schedule. Yeah, everyone's going to take their L against Alabama and Georgia, beat each other yep. up, go, what is it, four and three or five and three in conference play, 
and then you'll either have seven or eight wins at the end of the season. That's thing. That's what's so so bad for Tennessee. The fact that they have to, they're one, they're the only team in the East who every single year has to play Georgia and Alabama no matter what, <laughs> right? Like every single year, like that sucks, right? Like you know, no matter how good they're gonna be, they're going ten and two. <laughs> like like that's the best case scenario, which sucks. Yeah, but that's also kind of the like territory Kentucky resides in. Not like they can't go eleven and one, but you just know Kentucky's gonna have an Ole Miss game somewhere on their schedule. Right. Well, and to be fair, so will Tennessee. They'll have a game where we'll probably drop two, so they're probably the real best case scenario is probably nine and three, right? But if but if everything goes perfect, right, at, at their absolute best, they're going ten and two. And I feel like at the absolute best for Kentucky, at least, like absolute best, they beat Ole Miss. Absolute best, they probably win against Tennessee. And even if they lose to Georgia, that's still eleven to one. You know, like it, it's bound to not happen, but it's still possible for it to happen. Yeah, like did didn't the year that Benny Snell was there and they beat Penn State in that bowl game? Didn't they go eleven and two that year? And then three okay. was the final record. Um, now they lost to they lost in overtime to Texas A and M. Uh, they lost to Georgia, and then I want to say they lost to Tennessee that year as well. No, um, yeah, so but they it was lost. ten and three. It was ten and three that year, not eleven and two. Yeah, I know. I know they lost to A and M and Georgia. I think the last one was Tennessee. I'm ninety nine percent sure they lost to Tennessee that year. Yeah, but I, I thought it was eleven and two, and then they just got snubbed by going to basically the seventh New Year's Six Bowl. Game. I would have been so mad. Yeah, I would have been so if we went if we went eleven and two because people don't realize Kentucky was the sixth. They were the they were one of the first teams out in the college football playoffs. Uh, for the first couple of weeks, or the last couple of weeks uh, of that going on, up until they lost, I think, to, I want to say Tennessee was that last game that they lost against. It was either Tennessee or Georgia, one of those two games. I know they were ranked in the top 10 when they played Georgia. I just, I remember that season, like, they were top 10 teams, they were still, like, 17-point underdogs. Right, and and it was was being headlined as the winner wins the SEC East, right? And I think think what it was is they they entered that game, I want to say, 9-1, and And I think they lost to Georgia and then lost to Tennessee to end the season, I think is what it was. Now, I could mm-hmm. be wrong on that. But I, I remember those two games were later in the season, and that really hurt their stock uh, and having a chance at a year six bowl, which was really painful. Yeah, because that was the best Kentucky team until, I guess, technically this year's Kentucky team. But last year's team made the Citrus Bowl also. They just yeah. happened to play I, I would Iowa. still say... Yeah, I would still say that twenty. What was it? Twenty sixteen team. I think is what. It, no, no, no. Twenty. No, 2018, 2018, I think because Josh yeah, Allen was the twenty nineteen draft. Right. Right. Yeah. Twenty. Yeah. Twenty eighteen team was the best Kentucky team for sure uh, I've ever seen, uh, top to bottom. I mean, they they didn't have great quarterback play, which ended up being their downfall. But aside from that, I mean, the stars they had on that roster. Mike Edwards is bowling out for Tampa Bay right now. Josh Allen, of course, is Josh Allen. He's really, really good. Um, they had some really good players on that football team. Uh, that were really impressive. Lynn Bowden, of course, uh, was on that team, and he was really, really good. That was wide receiver Lynn Bowden season. Uh, you know, there's tight end CJ Conrad at the time was really talented and really solid. They had uh, a really good defense all around. They had a guy named Jordan Jones who was a beast. They had a guy named Cash Daniels who was a. Be- I, I just remember that entire roster. I can I can name you the entire starting roster of that team. They, they had a great offensive line, of course, one of the best offensive lines in the league. And now their offensive line sucks. So it just kind of changes. You know, it's it's a little different now. But at the same time, still, I mean, a really really solid season this year. I think, and they'll they'll, they'll find ways to to still have a successful year this year. Just not to the 2018 extent anymore. 
So the last college football question I had for you is our fascination with USC football. And I feel like I haven't watched as much USC football as maybe I would have planned on at the start of the season, especially given that they are undefeated. But the experiment seems to be like working relatively well. They've they've super outperformed expectations because there's two games that they probably should have lost. But I mean, USC is undefeated and basically looking like what Lincoln Riley teams always look like. So, like, what have you thought about the experiment that we were super fascinated about where you just kind of like USC bought Oklahoma's program, brought it to Southern California, and then they're kind of rolling out year one with at least an outsider's chance of making the college football playoff? Yeah, I mean, I- I've watched, I think, every single game except for the Stanford game, I want to say, um, because I just watched them beat Arizona State. I know they beat Oregon State before that. Uh, they beat Fresno because of Jake Hayner getting injured, and they beat Rice by like a million. So, yeah, I believe I've watched every single game they played except, aside from Stanford. And it's impressive because they put up 40-plus points in all those games, aside from the Oregon State game where their defense completely dominated, right? And so it, it's kind of interesting now that we're starting to see, I think, USC, which was a team that I think everyone knew would put up a lot of points, but when they had a defense to keep up, was a big question mark, and I think they kind of, they just kind of showed against Oregon State that they they might actually have that defense. Their defense looks very very good, um, and and you know we we've we've seen a lot of clutch plays this season by Caleb Williams. He looks like just as advertised. He's still really really good in that system. Uh, Jordan Addison looks to be again one of the Belichick favorites right now. He's been an elite wide receiver for that team. Um, all around, they look really really good, right? And they're going to go into next week playing Washington Washington State. That's a game they really should win. The only game that you would expect for them to lose, only games you would expect for them to lose, is at Utah and at UCLA. That's really it, right? Like I feel like 10-2 right now is a realistic possibility for USC. And even then, they could easily win one of those two football games and be an 11-1 team. And, and that 11-1 football team, if they win the Pac-12, might mess around and make the playoffs, right? Like This is a team that's legitimately talented. So I'm not saying they would, but if a couple of other teams lose, it's certainly possible. You know, like they At that point, they wouldn't control their own destiny, but they'd come really, really close if they lose a really close game to one of those teams. Because Utah and UCLA are both very, very talented football teams. Yeah, the whole way through the start of the year, I'm like, I'm just expecting them to mess up at some point. Everyone's messing up. They're going to mess up. I thought it was going to be the Oregon State game because they they played really poorly and then had a last second like come from behind touchdown to not get upset against Oregon State. But at this point, I'm looking at it. I'm like, yeah, they're going to they're going to beat up on the Pac-12. They're going to lose one of those games. Like you said, UCLA or Utah, they're going to lose one of those or maybe they lose a weird one to like, uh, well, no, I guess the I guess the entire rest of their division is terrible. So I, I guess it is kind of down to just Utah or UCLA. And uh, yeah, I think just they're they're kind of betting on Clemson and Michigan to lose a game that we're not expecting, because I think even one loss Clemson and Michigan probably take the cake over USC right now just because of uh, how good those teams have looked to start the season. And Michigan's one loss would probably be against Ohio State. Ohio State. Right. And, Clemson Clemson could thing, lose though, one as long as USC loses one and still get the playoff. I think Clemson is the most important one because I feel like you would take an 11-1 USC team who won their division over an 11-1 Michigan team who lost their division. Right? Cuz like depends depends. Right, cuz like I mean I don't know. It, that, it's a it's a tough conversation to have because I yeah. feel like at that point it was it's 12 and 1 USC, right? And 11 and 1 Michigan. 
So mm-hmm. what would it would be the record yeah. wise? And I, I, and, and I think like... it also depends on who's the one team USC lost to. Because like if it's Utah, but USC still wins the Pac-12 South versus Michigan, who their one loss would be Ohio State, it changes the math a little bit. Right. Yeah, it does depend on who they lose to. I feel like I feel like either loss to UCLA or Utah would be okay enough to still make the playoffs, even if you lost that football game. Like like eleven and one or twelve and one, and, and losing one of those football games can still get you in the playoffs. I feel like as long as it's close. If you get blown out by UCLA, then I think like if Michigan plays Ohio State close, then I definitely think. Or excuse me, Michigan plays Ohio State close, then I definitely think that you know you, they would probably still not make it. But if they're able to play like Utah to like a three-point football game and barely lose and then beat UCLA and win the rest of the, the, the Pac-12 and then win the division. I just definitely see them. I, I think legitimately a playoffs is a possibility. And I would love to see SEC defenses, Alabama or Georgia, go up against Caleb Williams and Jordan Addison. I want to see that. I want to see how legit this offense is. Is Caleb Williams really that special? I want to see that. I want to see that matchup. Yeah, that one would be so interesting because, again, we're assuming for people listening at home who maybe aren't as college football dominant, like we're assuming Alabama, Georgia and Ohio State will make the playoff. Maybe one of those teams just totally falls apart here at the end because like Alabama almost lost to Texas and Georgia almost lost to Missouri. So like maybe one of those teams falls apart at the end. But even still, assuming that that means Clemson, Michigan, USC would be the teams fighting for that last playoff spot. And we assume they'll lose at some point. All those teams will lose at some point. We just don't know when or how it'll break down. Clemson Clemson might be in the clear now. Now that they've beat NC State and Wake, Clemson Clemson might be in the clear. They might go undefeated and, and win the ACC like they have the past few years. The only difference is that they'll be like 17-point underdogs in the playoffs instead of like favored against Ohio State like they've been in past years. Yeah, yeah. Um- I still think it all depends on who they play against in the ACC championship, right? I think there's a couple of games that I think could be tough for them. Like, I mean, I think at Notre Dame can be a tough opponent despite the fact that Notre Dame doesn't look very good. At Florida State can be tough. Syracuse looks really good. Like, you get a couple of games for them that's still going to be pretty tough. And, I mean, there's a real chance that – I mean, now, we've talked about how bad the Coastal has been for so long. But I still think there's a chance that some team in the Coastal could at least give them a little bit of, of trouble maybe in, a, in the playoffs or in, in a championship game. So, um, you know, Wake and NC State feel like definitely like the second and third best teams in the ACC. And the fact they got through both of them um, was was really, really impressive. And and I would say, you know, aside from that really close game against Wake Forest, they, they really look at the better team because NC State, they look at the better team in every single game they played so far this season. So it is very, very promising for them. But I still think at the same time, Clemson is a team that is definitely still capable of getting upsetted in some way this season in a couple of really tough games. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Like if, if Missouri can almost beat Georgia, then any of these teams can probably beat Clemson because college football right. is weird like that sometimes. But They've thrown their best punches at Clemson. Clemson has taken the best punches. They went to overtime with Wake. NC State was at least keeping it close for a while. I know that was never really in doubt, but they've thrown their best punches at Clemson, and Clemson still remains undefeated. Have you watched much of uh, DJ Oyunglele this year? Because I I haven't really like scouted. I'm not obviously into scouting. I haven't really watched much Clemson, even though I watched the end of the Wake game. Have you noticed anything like noticeably different with him over? I guess like last year. Yeah, I watched the Wake and NC State game both, uh, and I mean, DJ's looked really good the last two football games. I mean, against Wake, he had five touchdowns. 
Um, I think he threw for over 350 yards in that game. He looked really, really good. And granted, Wake is not the best defense, but at the same time, he did look very, very talented. And I know that next game, um, you know, he didn't, I don't think he threw the ball as much as what he did before, but I know he was a big factor in carrying the football. Um, I think he had, like a, again, like another three touchdowns that football game, and he pretty well outplayed Devin Leary, who's a very, very talented quarterback for NC State right now. He looks improved, and by improved, I mean more like what we saw when we first were introduced to DJ Ukulele. Uh In the first game he played as a, as a Clemson Tiger, everyone was like, oh, this guy's going to be the next Trevor Lawrence. He's really, really good, right? Like everyone said that about him, and then he fell apart. I think we're starting to see the old DJ Ungalele come kind of come back now. Um, he's been able to consistently put up points no matter who the opponent is and no matter how good the defenses are. Uh, I, I still definitely think that there is some improvement to be done. He still obviously has some growing pains, I think, right now. But he is a very, very good dual-threat quarterback. He can really tuck and run really well. He's a very, very good passer. Only one interception so far this year, um, in, 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 which is really impressive all around. You know, um, I, I think right now he's had one of the better QBRs. Um, he, I think he's still a guy that needs to stay an extra year in Clemson before I think he's a draft prospect. But next year, and talking about NFL draft prospects, I still think Caleb Williams is quarterback one. But DJ Ungulele can make a good argument for quarterback two or three for sure. Okay, that was kind of my next question, and you answered it for me. So seamless transition. Let's go into the game I've been waiting to play for like three weeks here. Uh, I'm very excited to debut this. Uh, it started out as just a fun little thing that then blossomed into a full scale, uh, a full scale like game you can replicate over and over again. Are you familiar with any of the role playing games such as like Dungeons and Dragons and such? Are you familiar with the rules of those? Uh, I have heard of it. I'm, I've never really played much of them, but I definitely have heard of it. Okay. They're just kind of these ideas of long form role playing games and basically. There are nine different categories that you're working with and you get to pick one from each category. And then we have a random number generator here. It's one through 20. Um, But basically you will get nine cracks at building your ideal football team and your champion for the season. basically. So there's going to be nine rounds. You're going to have different quarterback games here and uh, we're going to see what ends up happening, who you get. So basically, for example, Say you're doing college football and you pick the so the categories are are basically from good to evil and then from lawful to neutral to um to chaotic basically on down. But basically, say you pick a category that's a true neutral and then you roll a die, which we'll do on here with a number generator, and then you will end up getting Ole Miss as your football team for the season. Oh boy. <laughs> and you will get basically four cracks at getting a good team and you will get one crack at picking a quarterback or, or you will get here. You get three wide receivers, one running back and one shot at a quarterback. And then you get four shots at getting a, a team for the season. And you want to get a team that might win a championship is basically how this one is going to go. But you can only use each category once. And that's the game poorly explained but as we play it, I think it'll be easier to understand. Okay, uh, yeah, I I feel like, yeah, like you said, I feel like it's a game that I have to like kind of like go through first and kind of like get to understand before I can really figure it out. But yes, yes, I do, it I do will make sense as we go along. Basically, there's nine rounds, and you can only reuse each category once. So basically, here are your nine options to pick from. They're categories. You have lawful good, 
neutral good and chaotic good. Then you have lawful neutral, a true neutral, and a chaotic neutral. And then you have a lawful evil, a neutral evil, and a chaotic evil. Now you get to pick each of those one time, and then we have a number generator here, and that will determine your quarterback, running back, receivers, and teams for this game. And then we have to mark it down, and you will get them for the rest of the season and try and build the best team you possibly can. And basically, when we do the number generator, the worst number you get, the worse the player or team, and the higher number you get, the better person that you get. So the first round might be easier. Just pick one of those nine categories that I listed. I'm going to say I'll go chaotic neutral to start. All right. We're going to go with chaotic neutral. Uh, Do you want this to be for your quarterback, running back, one of your three receivers or your teams? We do for one of my three receivers. Okay. So we're going to play for receivers with chaotic neutral. We have a one through 20 number generator and you got a 16. That's good. You got a 16. So let's see. Okay, cool. Okay. So here's what you could have had for this one. If you had rolled a one or a two, you would have gotten Christian Kirk. Okay. If you had rolled three through seven, you would have gotten Hollywood Brown. All right. If you had rolled eight through 13, you would have gotten DK Metcalf. And if you had gotten 18 through 20, you would have gotten Tyreek Hill. Okay. You got. So it's good. Yeah. So you got a 17 or sorry, a 16 which means that your first receiver is Kyle Pitts. Oh, oh, hmm. Hasn't performed too well this season, but definitely chaotic. <laughs> yes. Right. I tried to like relatively get it correct based on what the people's, uh, you know, general vibe was. So you have Kyle Pitts as your number one receiver. You don't have to use him like Arthur Smith, which my favorite stat from this weekend is that Marcus Mariota threw a pick. And then they ran 15 consecutive run plays after Marcus Mariota threw his first interception. So you don't have to use Pitts like Arthur Smith does, but you have Kyle Pitts on your team. I mean, like in terms of me being a football head coach, I would definitely love Kyle Pitts to be my wide receiver one. He's an absolute beast. I'm not going to complain about it. All right. So do you want to do all the receivers or do you want to do a different category? Uh, Um... Let's do another receiver, and I'll wait to do the last one. All right. So you can pick any of the other eight other than chaotic neutral. I'm going to go lawful bad. Uh, It's evil, but yes, lawful evil. It's good neutral evil. Let's see. So no, you're good. And so wide receiver, lawful evil. Let's see. One through 20, what you're going to end up getting. Okay, you got a seven. Oh, actually, this is this is a good category to get a seven. And actually, this is a really good category to get a seven for. So if you had gotten one or two, you would have had Robbie Anderson. Um, If you had gotten eight through 13, you would have gotten Amari Cooper. If you had pulled 14 through 17, it would have been CeeDee Lamb. And if you had hit 18 to 20, it would have been Travis Kelsey. Okay. Your receiver two is Jalen Waddell. Oh, yeah, I love that. That's perfect. Let's go. I love Waddle, too. He's got the little little Waddle dance. I love it. 
So you're picking the entire 2021 draft class at this point. Yes. Which let's go. Turning out pretty good so far. That's probably, I think that's the best number two, or that's the best you could have gotten in that category. I think I'm looking at the rest of this. That's like one of the best that you could have gotten getting a three through seven with good. wide receiver. Let's go. Okay. I'm happy with that. I'm happy with that. All right. What category right, doing, do you want to go for next? Sorry. I'm doing running back now. And I want to go chaotic. I did, oh, sorry, sorry. I, I did do. You did chaotic neutral, but you have chaotic good and chaotic evil still okay. available. Okay, I'll, I'll do chaotic good then. Yes, I'll do chaotic All right. good. Chaotic good for a running back. Let's see what you get. A nine. Okay, so you pulled a nine. If you had gotten one or two, you would have had Mark Ingram. If you had pulled okay. a three through seven, you would have had Alexander Madison. If you had gotten 14 through 17, it would have been Leonard Fournette. And if you had hit 18 through 20 jackpot, it would have been Alvin Kamara. Okay. Those are the ones that you missed out on, which means that your running back for this made up team in this made up universe is Josh Jacobs. Oh, I can live with that. I can live with that. For sure. So you have a you have a weapons core of Josh Jacobs, Kyle Pitts, and Jalen Waddle. Okay. All right. I can live with that. All okay. right. What are you looking for now? Next. Okay. What 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 are my options for other positions again? I know it's one quarterback. One quarterback and then one receiver. And then we're gonna pick four teams and you're gonna try and get the four best teams. team that you can get. Okay. I'm going to go lawful neutral last receiver. All right. Lawful neutral receiver. That's what we're going for here. So let's see. Random number generator. You got an 11. Oh, interesting. Okay. So if you had gotten the 14 through 17, you would have gotten your boy T. Higgins. Oh, and no. I love T. I am perfect. If you'd hit the jackpot, you would have had Cooper Cup, too. So almost had it there. Uh, one through two would have been Gabe Davis. Three through seven would have been Mike Williams. You walk away with Mark Andrews. Okay. Going all tight ends. I like Mark Andrews, so I'm cool with that. <laughs> you could play Pitts at receiver, maybe. Yeah, I could. I could. That's true. All right. I definitely have talent, though. I can't complain. I have talent. Yeah, you haven't struck out yet. Although, quarterback's the one you don't want to strike out on. Yes, very true. That's very true. Okay. I'm for quarterback. I'm going to go and do quarterback now. I'm going to do. Let's see. Okay, it, it, it's it's good, neutral. Or sorry, sorry, chaotic. What were the options? Chaotic. Lawful. Lawful, neutral, and chaotic. But there's also neutral, neutral, which is just called true neutral. Okay, okay. So I'm going to do... I'm going to do... Have I done neutral good yet? Uh, You have not. Neutral good is available. Okay, I'll do neutral good quarterback. All right, let's see what you get. It is 
Oh, okay. You got a 15. Okay. Which is, I'm glad you got this one because this one's fun. Okay. So you have, if you had picked a one or two, if you'd picked a one or two, it would have been Kenny Pickett. Okay. If you'd picked three through seven, it would have been Case Keenum. If you picked eight oh through God. 13, it would have been Teddy Bridgewater. And if you had hit jackpot on this one, it would have been Patrick Mahomes. No, that'd be cool. So your quarterback for this team that we have just concocted, which again has Josh Jacobs, Kyle Pitts, Jalen Waddle, and Mark Andrews. Your quarterback is Bryce Young. Okay, okay. I can definitely live with that. I love Bryce Young, so that's very cool with me. Yes. You you got Bryce Young as your quarterback. I would have preferred CJ Stroud. But I will definitely. I'm a big fan of Bryce Young. Definitely quarterback too. So, Did I leave? Cool. I I left C.J. Stroud out of this game. I guess uh, he would have been kind of in the same category. I guess, which I regret now because I think Wentz was like on the equivalent tier as Bryce Young. The quarterbacks were hard because there's only like 15 good ones and 18 right. spots at the top. So I I slid Bryce Young in there to to kind of okay. even things out a bit. That one is fun though because Bryce Young could be insane next year you know so that'd be really mm-hmm. cool and you get to play him now as a as a senior i guess for whatever this team right. is going to look like you get bryce young for the next however many years and hopefully you will develop him better than perhaps the jaguars have done with trevor lawrence or the bears <laughs> with justin fields right yes all okay. right so now picking between the four teams yes four teams your options are lawful good uh Lawful, no, uh, oh, uh, lawful good, true neutral, neutral evil, and chaotic evil. Those are your four options left. Let's go with the most boring one true neutral first. True neutral. All right, let's see what you get. Oh, you hit the jackpot, you hit a 19. Okay, okay, so. You, you've hit a 19 on this one. If you'd picked true neutral for your quarterback and hit a 19, you would have gotten Joe Burrow. Oh, but you do get a team. So here's who your teams passed up on one or two. You would have had Clemson as your team. If you'd gotten three or seven, it would have been Jacksonville eight through 13, the Patriots, which in hindsight, I probably should flip those around now that we know what those teams look like. <laughs> Right. <laughs> the 14 through 17 would have been Indianapolis. You hit on the jackpot, which means your first team with which you are hoping will be a champion or bring you great success is the Baltimore Ravens. Okay. Well, that's ironic because I'm low-key rooting on their downfall, but <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> Ravens versus Bengals this week, Sunday Night Football. That's going to be bittersweet if <laughs> everyone's in loses. <laughs> Yeah, the worst part also is that we drafted weapons already, so that means you basically get the Baltimore defense, which is not the greatest to pull up with. Very true. Yeah, that's unfortunate. But at the same time, I mean, you know, they're they're capable. (laughs) Well, you still got three more shots on the team because I assumed you'd get terrible teams at some point here in the game. So I wanted to get you hit on a team on the first try. So maybe you'll get a better one or maybe you'll get one of the funny ones that I've set up here. So I'm I'm banking on this being a bad one now. I'm gonna go. What was the chaotic one I had left? I had one chaotic. So there's a chaotic evil, a neutral evil, and a lawful good. Okay, I'll go 
I'll, I'll actually go neutral evil this time. Neutral evil. Okay. Let's see what you get. 11. Okay. Oh, th- see, this one would have been fun if you'd pulled a one or a two. One or a two, the option was what I call group of five, which is you could pick any team who made a, uh, uh, you could pick any group of five team basically for the rest of the season. Oh, that is on. funny. Yeah. Okay. That one, that one didn't get pulled, but I was hoping that I'm glad that I got to at least acknowledge that that was part of the game. You could have pulled any group of five team. Um, you also missed out on the Chicago Bears. Oh, thank God. <laughs> on the on the upper tier, your jackpot team was Bama, and your 14 through 17 would have been the Chargers, which understandably the Chargers are looking a lot worse than they were at the start of the season. Okay. And your team, right, your second fine. team that you are rolling with, with your neutral evil, which has come true more than I thought it would. Uh, you are Blake Jude, officially a member of Broncos country. Let's ride. Let's ride Broncos country. All right. Now I know who I'm betting on uh, for Thursday night football. So perfect. Yes. You can bet on Nathaniel Kitchens and the Denver Broncos who are, <laughs> I believe, two and two at this point. Yes, they are. All right. I like it. <laughs> Poor Javante uh, Williams, by the way. Oh, yeah. Javante Williams is done for the season, and Melvin Gordon has a fumbling problem. So, Mike Boone, pick him up on your fantasy teams. Yep. Yep. Everyone needs to claim him. Yeah. I'm sure this will go wonderful for Denver, and that Nathaniel Kitchens won't be a one and done coach. I'm sure this will go great for Denver. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. I'm going to do chaotic. Or chaotic evil, excuse me. Chaotic uh, evil. Yeah. Chaotic evil is your choice. You have pulled a 17. Okay. This means that you passed on. If you had if you had crapped out with a one or a two, you would have had Iowa. <laughs> Thank the most, God. The, the most chaotic evil team that has ever existed. <laughs> ever existed, yes. Yes. I do not want to I do not want to cheer for iowa ever <laughs> yeah but you've already you've already got the broncos in baltimore so at least that's a little bit better um then you had you could have had washington but uh you do not get washington eight through 13 would have been interesting this is uh what i like to call the acc pac-12 alliance which is you could have picked any acc or pac-12 team and oh, that would have been USC. your best <laughs> Cool. Remember, remember when that was a thing? Remember when the ACC Pac-12 Alliance existed after yep. Oklahoma left? Yeah, yeah, yep. that fell apart real quick. Yeah, it did. <laughs> uh, and then if you had hit on the the winner, your chaotic evil would have been the Cincinnati Bengals. Oh, that'd been awesome. Yeah. Instead, you get the Ohio State Buckeyes. Give it to me. I love that. Let's go, DJ Stroud. He's coming back. He's here somehow. <laughs> yeah. So now you've got your NFL team and you've got your college team. You've got your rooting for Baltimore and Denver and you've got Ohio State. All right. I can definitely live with that. I actually like watching Ohio State. So I'm very cool with that. All right. We have the last category here, which is lawful good. And you have rolled a five. Yes. Yes. Okay. I'm so glad you pulled this one. I'm so glad you pulled this. Okay, cool. Uh, obviously it's not great, but it is fun. So basically, uh, you have, so if you had hit jackpot, you would have had Kansas city. 
if you had 14 through 17, you would have had the Steelers, which obviously is worse now. And if you'd gone eight through 13, you would have had Atlanta. You got, you got a five and this is a cool one. So you get the major league baseball category, which is you can pick any baseball team going into the playoffs this year. And because baseball is a crapshoot, you probably have an equal chance with all the teams, but you get to pick any baseball team right now for the playoffs. And that will be your team to hopefully win the championship. Oh, okay. Hmm. This is a tough one then. Um, I'm going to go off principle and not say the obvious teams like the Dodgers, Astros, or Yankees, because that's not going to be fun. I want to be fun. Padres play the Mets. (laughs) Yeah. Do you want to pick the Padres? (laughs) You can pick whoever you want. I would have just picked the Dodgers. Play the probabilities on the Dodgers. But I beat the Padres play a playoff series this weekend against the Mets. They do. Um, I'm going to go... entertaining all right i'm gonna stay entertaining and i'm gonna go i think with the seattle mariners and i'll explain why all right because almost every single cincinnati red no demand has become a mariner in some way (laughs) shape or form right same with the padres too If, if they're not reds they're padres it basically is the entire mariners roster uh you know, you got you got your you got Luis Castillo, you got Jesse Winker, you got Eugenio Suarez, right? And then mm-hmm. you got the really talented rookie, the Rodriguez guy, who I know has been going off. Ty France is there. I, I like I like Seattle. Give me Seattle. Seattle I'm the plays playoffs in, in a long time. I'm gonna rock with them. Yep, they hit a walk off homer over the weekend to break the wild card drought. Pretty cool. Twenty one year playoff drought ended with a walk off home run. It was awesome. Mariners, your first test will be on the road, three-game wildcard series at the Toronto Blue Jays. All right, let's go Mariners. Seattle Mariners, let's ride. Yes, so you've got the Mariners. You've got See, you got it in three different sports, too. you got the Mariners, you got Baltimore, you got Ohio State, and you've got Russell Wilson, which I'm sure that will work out great for you. But at least you've spread it around. You, this this worked out pretty well. You got a college team, you got an NFL team, and you got a baseball team. Yes, this is perfect. I, I, I'm very happy with the results. Yes. Okay. So your your team for the season consists of Bryce Young, Josh Jacobs, Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts, and Jalen Waddell. And your teams are Baltimore, Ohio State, Denver, and the Seattle Mariners. I will make note of this. We will circle back around to this in, say, a couple months and see how things turned out. All right. Sounds good. I I am very excited about this. I think a lot of them are going to be pretty solid, so I'm very happy with this. I think yours turned out pretty well. Just gauging the rest. Oh, there was. a. Okay, so this one never had a chance of coming up because you chose the wide receiver category. But my favorite one was chaotic neutral, which is uh, what I call the the NY6. But it's it's a little bit of a game here. So basically, you could pick any team that made a New Year's six any t- team that made a New Year's six bowl game last year that wasn't a, a um to win the championship that wasn't in the playoffs. So basically, you had like Michigan State, Ole Miss, 
Uh, you had Utah, you had Ohio State, could have picked any of those teams, or you got the New York Giants. Oh, God. I'm glad it's on the New York Giants, at least. <laughs> but that yes. would have been really entertaining. Yeah, those were the options. That was a cool one. I think we got most of the cool ones actually out of here. I'm trying to think what else was dumb that I had. Uh, yeah, I think the you could have gotten to any rookie running back situation. There was a crap out running back where you just got any Bills running back. You could have gotten any Buffalo Bill on your team, which is never great. I think you, I think you got some of the fun ones out of this, actually. I think we actually hit on a couple of the fun options because you got Bryce Young as your quarterback. You got Ohio State. Some of the twists that I threw in, you kind of hit on. Right. That's, that's it. Is a lot of fun though. That is a really really fun game. It's a, so. Did you do that by yourself? I guess you came up with all those. Is is really impressive. I started just listing the quarterbacks, and then I kind of like did the other ones afterwards. Yeah, I, I've played it with a couple people, but this is the first time we've done it on the podcast. But basically, I started out just doing it with quarterbacks, and then I did it for receivers. And then I just kind of built out a game so that you could pick all nine of the categories, which is why we picked right. four teams for some reason. Yeah, that makes sense. This is cool. I'm glad we got Good. to play it, and I'm glad you got to draft a team. You didn't really crap out on anyone's, so your team's actually pretty solid. You kind of got in the middle a lot. Yeah, no, I did. I, I did get a lucky draw on a lot of the die, so I really can't complain. Uh, and then the one, the one low one I got, I got to choose, which is good. So that is that is really really cool and a lot of fun. And I'm excited to root for these teams, aside from Baltimore. Not very excited <laughs> for Baltimore, but aside from that, very excited. 